Right, so I'm going away for a couple of days. Uh, look, don't, don't, don't burgle me. I mean, you don't know where I live, but I record this podcast in a place called Spook Towers. It's a massive castle. There's loads of bats flying around the belfry. Uh, if you see that place, then there's no one in for a few days. Don't burgle me. I mean, there's a moat. Uh, it's haunted. There are ghosts and ghouls wandering the hall. So uh, try, try me. But uh, look, don't burgle me. I'm, I'm going away for a few days. I'm going to the seaside. Uh, it's probably a good idea that I'm going away for a few days, actually, because uh, I, um, I don't want to say angry. Angry is the wrong word. I'm really irritated. I need to get out of London. I need to go smell the sea air. It's amazing. My mum always says that to me. She's always like, get to the seaside, smell the sea air. Have we smell the sea air? It smells like rotten seaweed. It's not... It's not, it doesn't replenish you, it just makes you feel nauseous because it smells of rotting seaweed. But I'm going to go to the seaside, I'm going to try and decompress a little bit because I'm, I'm really irritated. Writing this book, look, I'm going to have like, um, you know, like a swear jar, I'm going to have like a swear jar, like a book jar that I put on my desk. And every time I mention the book, I'm going to put a few quid in it and... Um, I don't know what I'll do with that money. I mean, I'll probably spend it on myself. But I'm, just to make a point, I'm aware that I mentioned the book an awful lot. But this book has absolutely... It's destroyed me. It's destroyed me. I can't sleep properly. I've filed it now. The editing process hasn't, hasn't started. I'm going to say that again because I just mumbled it. The, edit, the, the, the editing process hasn't started. But, uh, man... I've already thought of about 100 things I would change and it's just done me. It's just done me and it's just ruined me. I've got to get out of London. I've got to get out of London. I've got to get out of my head. I've got to get out of my head. I'm right in my head. If I was going to have another jar, like another book jar, like another swear jar, I would have an OCD jar. And every time I mention I have OCD, I would put a couple of quid in there as well. I don't know where all this money is coming from, by the way. I, I don't have a job at the moment. I'm not getting a tremendous amount of writing commissions. I just wrote about a coffee maker the other day. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I'm writing about coffee makers. But uh, I haven't had a tremendous amount of work recently. I've got no money. I don't know where the money's coming from. So, uh, But maybe I'll put something... What have, what have I got a lot of? I've got a lot of comic books. I've got a lot of books in general. I have some guinea pigs. Uh, there's quite a lot of kale in the fridge. Uh, I don't have much of anything else, really. But I, I'll pop, start putting other things in the jar every time I mention the book and OCD. So, yeah, I have OCD. And so being in my head isn't always a great place to be. There's an awful lot of rumination in there and rituals and compulsions. I don't know what you know about OCD. If you listen to this podcast regularly, then you probably know more than the average person, which is, uh, is not a lot. I'm really wound up, you know. Uh, I, I wanted to just do. I wanted to just do an episode before I pissed off to the seaside because there was something on my mind. I listened to the new episode of the Joe Rogan Experience yesterday. It's got uh, Oliver Anthony on it. First interview. I think he. Uh, I think he spoke to someone from Barry Weiss's Free Press publication. I haven't read that yet, but I listened to the new episode of Joe Rogan that Oliver Anthony was on, uh, and I thought it was really good. There's about 20 minutes at the beginning where they're talking. Well, they're not talking. Joe Rogan's talking about. Uh, refurbishing classic cars which I could have done without but once it actually gets into a conversation it's really interesting I mean I, I like Joe Rogan I always feel like I have to clear my throat before I say that there's things about him that are really irritating uh, there's things about almost everyone that is irritating in, in some sense but uh, when those episodes are good when that podcast is uh, on fire 
then it's really good. Sometimes I think that he suffers a bit from what you would call audience capture. Uh, I feel like sometimes he could do with more people on his podcast that would challenge his beliefs. He's quite blatantly gone mad uh, to some degree by the insanity of covid and the gaslighting of institutions that relayed information about that sorry moment in human history but uh hey haven't we all i don't think any of us are the same that we uh the same people that we were before all of that madness happened but yeah so look fuck it i I don't care I i don't care what you think when I say I like Joe Rogan you can decide that makes me a certain kind of person but sometimes I really like that podcast I, when it's good it's very very good I, I do feel a little bit like that episode could have been better maybe if I was sat in the in the chair the James McMahon experience imagine that I, I, there's a few times where I feel like Oliver Anthony's talking about certain things and Rogan takes it off onto inane observations about the world and I just would have liked to have heard I would have liked to have heard more from Oliver Anthony from the interview subject people often say about Joe Rogan oh it's so great that there's someone who's curious about the world that hosts this massive podcast I think that has been true and I think that sometimes is true but this wasn't one of those episodes frustratingly because I am very curious about Oliver Anthony where he came from what he's about what he stands for I really love that song I've said that unapologetically on the podcast of times richmond north of richmond that song i don't know whether it was the authenticity of it i don't know whether it was the voice the sort of gentle blues grass lilt there was just something about that song really struck me and i think that says a lot about music right now that really we're craving something which is authentic and again i have to clear my throat because the idea of authenticity in music is such a it's such a strange concept because what do we really mean by that do we mean uh, music that's played on wood and with metal? I mean, that doesn't make anything authentic. I think the Pet Shop Boys are just as authentic as Nirvana, for example. But anyway, whatever. I'm going off on one. The idea of something being authentic doesn't necessarily matter to me. But the idea of an emotion being authentic, I'm all about that. And that song really spoke to me. So it sounds a little bit like I'm moaning about Joe Rogan. Like I say, I'm a Joe Rogan fan. I just reserve the right to critique the indulgences of him and his podcast show sometimes but it's a it's an interesting interview and i feel like you do learn an awful lot about oliver anthony i think you learn a lot about where he's come from his journey he talks quite a lot about mental health on there i found that quite inspiring to be honest this is another thing that people always forget about joe rogan is that you know they critique that it's sort of very growy and that there's all sorts of misinformation going on on there i mean fucking if we want to talk about misinformation we can look all over the place and not just at the Joe Rogan show but um, yeah I feel like you learn a lot about Oliver Anthony on there and I think the thing that you that isn't talked about enough with Joe Rogan actually is that look I'm an overweight 43 year old and I've spent a lot of my recent years feeling very disheartened about the world and about myself and there's something about Joe Rogan where you listen to an episode and he's constantly talking about fitness and he's constantly talking about health and he's constantly talking about not giving up and you know really trying to make the most of your life and that's really inspiring because you don't get that message from an awful lot of other media so that's another thing about Joe Rogan that I I, I, I really appreciate so Right, okay, so we've got the general gist of what I'm trying to say. I like Joe Rogan, but it's not perfect. Okay, cool, you can apply that to all sorts of other media. Oliver Anthony, he's not the saviour of whatever he was 
professed to having been. He's just a guy who, again, his early 30s from Virginia, who has had an interesting life story to this point. He's obviously very talented at songwriting. He's obviously very talented at playing guitar. He's got a beautiful voice. And I really look forward to hearing what music he makes from this point on. So, you know, don't, don't please don't put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band or a, 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 a ginger beardy bluesgrass singer from Virginia. They are just, after all, musicians. But that, that song really did something to me, and I thought about it so much since I first heard it. I've become so incensed in all of the discourse around it. It's also bipartisan. It's also tribal. There's people on the left whatever the fuck the left is right now, but I'll get to that in a minute. There are people on the left accusing him of being some sort of QAnon Bob Dylan. That's f- funny. That's that's a funny thing to say, but I don't think it's true. And then there are people on the right who are just so desperate to adopt him as uh, a spokesperson for their cause, whatever that is, other than rampant bigotry and, and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, he's basically come out and said, I'm neither of these things. I have a problem with the system. Uh, I am political in the sense that I care about my community. I mean, can you argue with that? But the thing that's got me so incensed is that I see myself as as loosely on the left. I mean, before a couple of years ago, I would have never said anything other than I was left-wing, but there's all sorts of positions over on the left that I just don't agree with anymore. And I don't think it's me. There's that, there's that cartoon that is shared on Twitter sometimes about... Um, almost like when people kind of drift over to the right and it's not really that they're drifting over to the right it's just that the left got much further to the left and the thing is is that I speak to people and I speak to musicians you know principally because of this podcast I speak to musicians all the time that just say to me look what the fuck has happened to the world like I thought I was left wing and the left has gone absolutely insane sometimes they say it on the podcast I refer you to Dan Searle's episode from God earlier this year there's been other people who have said similar things but quite often they say it when I'm not recording because they don't want the hassle of having to justify what I think are completely ordinary beliefs so you know the left I I don't think I've got any further to the right I've just got more tolerant of maybe people on the right or people in the middle or um, people with more conservative small c viewpoints but I, I still see myself on the left but I just think the left has got fucking insane and I don't think that that can actually be uh, I don't think that the response to Oliver Anthony from left-wing media, I ranted about this on an episode the other day, I was talking about Rolling Stone and The Guardian, I don't think that this can be um, summed up much better than the response to the emergence of Oliver Anthony, this idea that, I mean I showed the video, you know the video when he's like on his bit of farmland, he's got dogs by his you know, dogs by his feet, he's very rustic, he's playing Richmond, North of Richmond. I, I played it to someone, someone I respect, someone who I think has got very moderate views and they're very empathetic, and they said, oh, he looks like a Trump supporter. I mean, that's fucking bonkers. I, I mean, I don't even know what that means. Like, it's basically being incredibly judgmental about half of America. You think, you think half of America are uh, fascists? I mean, that's ridiculous. Whatever you think of Trump, like, half of America doesn't doesn't want the destruction of people who don't look like them or people who don't share the same beliefs as them i mean that's that's not why people vote for trump like this this donald trump isn't hitler i mean he's i don't know what he is he's not he doesn't seem like a, like a great person but this idea that people who voted for donald trump much like people who voted for brexit in the uk this idea that they're all racist is just fucking ridiculous i mean it's just insane i mean so this person was saying, oh, you know, he looks like a Trump voter. I mean, I mean, that's where we're at now. That's where we're at now. We just see, we just see a guy singing a song about how the power bases 
the people who subjugate us, the people who divide us, the one percent, the people who there should be, there should be no discussion about the fact that these people are a problem with the world. Somehow that's a right-wing position to critique those people, or they will hone in on a on a, a divisive lyric about obese people on on benefits. I've said on the record on an episode of this podcast that I thought that was a misfire that lyric, but. The, the reason why that song has resonated with so people isn't that it's some kind of ode to conservative values or that it's some sort of racist anthem. The, the song is basically about a person who has found it difficult to find their place in the world today because it seems like there are strange forces that are pulling the strings and they are making a world that just doesn't work at the moment. I mean, that sounds slightly conspiratorial, but some of my shift in my politics, let me tell you a little bit about them. One, I had an experience in my last job that I'm not quite ready to talk about yet. I will talk about it. It's been a long time since I had that experience, a really long time, but I'm just not quite ready to talk about it because A, I don't really want to hassle, and B, because it absolutely destroyed me and I'm just... I'm still all over the place about it, but at some point I'm going to talk about that. But let's just say that that experience slightly changed my, no, significantly changed my worldview and how I viewed certain things. Okay, that happens to a lot of us in our lives. I also went to San Francisco. I went to San Francisco to interview Green Day for The Guardian. That was in, uh, God, that was in early 2020. It was literally about a month or so before the world went crazy and shut down. I went to San Francisco. I interviewed them in Oakland, but I stayed in San Francisco. I was quite excited about going. San Francisco, liberal mecca. I care a lot about gay rights. I'm very interested in things like Alcatraz or the counterculture hippie scene of the 60s. There was a lot about San Francisco that I was really excited about seeing and soaking up the atmos of being in that city. I am telling you that I, you have never, unless you live in San Francisco, or maybe you live in LA or Portland or New York, like parts of New York, but I know a lot of people who live in these big cities in America that could share similar stories. But you do not know dystopia until you have been to San Francisco. All of those things I've just talked about are a distant memory. I mean, obviously Alcatraz isn't a distant, distant memory. It's literally still there on an island just off the just off the, the, the coast of the bay. But San Francisco is a fucking hellhole. It is a place where people are wandering the streets out of their minds. It is a place where there is criminality and lawlessness. I mean, I sound like Judge Dredd, right? I sound like I, I sound like someone that's being judgmental about this, but I'm not, I don't mean that in that way at all. I mean this in a very humanitarian way. How do you go to San Francisco and think, oh, I'm going to go uh, have some clam chowder by the sea today, when you see someone walking around the streets screaming in agony, some sort of kind of mental distress, and the shit on the floor, and they've got their trousers around their ankles, and I'm not blaming that person because the system, the society that they live within has failed them, but there is something deeply wrong in San Francisco. Deeply wrong. I mean, just deeply wrong. I found it horrifying as a humanitarian, as someone who cares about other people, who cares about poor people the, the fact that people would just walk on by while they were, I mean you have to walk on by because it's literally every hundred yards you'll see someone in the pits of despair right? So that's the kind of thing that I think Oliver Anthony's singing about he's not singing about let's make America like it used to be when everyone was white and blah 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 no, fuck that, that's not I don't think that's how people particularly are I think people in essence 
when the, the when the the systems they operate within are working i think they are good people and they care about their neighbors and they care about making a world that works for the most people possible look humans are really deeply flawed we're really judgmental about certain things we have a mob mentality uh, there's all sorts of things that are wrong with humans but look maybe i've just watched too many episodes of doctor who but i i believe in human beings i've always believed in human being human beings i'm gonna say that again i've always believed in human beings even at my lowest point when i felt like the world has just has just kicked me in the face repeatedly i've always cared and believed in the potential of human beings but fucking hell it's like a vast section of people have just completely forgotten about what the real world looks like ordinary people i mean again i've got to clear my throat because what i really mean by that but just people who are outside of the media bubble and that's sort of a nice little segue to what i'm actually trying to say here i had a moment right so i've been applying for jobs recently i've said a few times i uh, i don't have a lot of work right now Uh, now the book's finished i really need to focus on getting some work coming in i don't have a lot of money right now it's very frustrating i mean maybe i'm trying to guilt you into signing up for the substack spook at substack.com uh no that's not actually what the address is spook.substack.com that's the address maybe i'm trying to guilt you into that a subscription would really a paid subscription would really help me out but uh, i don't have a lot of money right now i'm trying to find a job so and i'm applying for jobs that have got nothing to do with music and that's kind of weird to me right because since i was 22 20 2002 all i've done is work for music magazines now music magazines don't really exist anymore that's okay i've got to diversify i've got to move on i've got to find other things to do but i'm applying for jobs that don't really have anything to do with music and that's sort of heartbreaking because in lots of ways it's admitting that the thing that i wanted to do from being 14 years old doesn't really exist anymore and maybe doesn't even want me again they had this situation in my last job it changed a lot of things for me. And sometimes I think that's over-exaggerated. Sometimes I think it's a bigger problem in my head than it actually is in reality. But whatever. It, it crushed my confidence. It crushed my belief in myself. I questioned all sorts of things about myself. And then the thing that I always wanted to do for me, 14 years old, just doesn't really seem available to me. But, you know, I still speak to people, the people at music magazines or other people involved in music. And the thing that really struck me, and the, the, the moment I realised, you're going to have to look for work outside of this thing that you've always done. I had a lot of success in. I've worked for Kerrang, I've worked for Enemy, I've worked for The Guardian, I wrote for Mojo, I wrote for Q. You know, I wrote, uh, I've started off at Metal Hammer, I've written for all of the big publications in the UK, um, and a bunch of them in America. America as well but the reason the, the moment where I thought I, you're gonna have to rethink this is because when I heard the Oliver Anthony song and I had this profound reaction to it I felt incredibly moved and I thought oh my god this is a song which is going to unite people and then saw the discourse be about people on the left people on the right with their own agenda placing it upon that song and what they wanted it to be rather than what it actually was that was the moment where I thought there's nowhere there's nowhere I can pitch this to. Even with relationships I still have at music publications. You know, not magazines, but websites, right? Like, I thought to myself, there is nowhere that you can pitch this to and say what you want to say. Because everything is so politicised and so bipartisan and everything has to have a narrative to it. The, if I went to any editor that I know, I'm, and again, I'm aware that some people who... Uh, I'm talking about listening to this podcast, so if I'm wrong, then let me know. But there's no editor I know that I could go to and say, I think this song is a song which could bring us all together. Because what it's doing is it's targeting the people who seek to oppress us. 
It's a song about the confusion and the frustration and the despair that an awful lot of people in the Western world feel right now. Now, I can't think of one publication that would let me write that. And firstly, that's not... That's not why I got into all this in the first place, right? I never got into this because I wanted to make shitloads of money. I mean, the idea of making shitloads of money for music journalism is hilarious. But I got into it because I wanted to talk about something that really mattered to me, which is music. So if I can't do that, then if there's nowhere where I can do that, then what's the point in doing it in the first place? I might as well look, look. I might as well look elsewhere for a way to pay my mortgage. But caring about the medium in itself, caring about music writing or uh, music discourse or music media or whatever you want to call it, the fact that there's nowhere that would publish an alternative opinion about that song, the fact that there's nowhere within music, which, and the music, I'm, I'm not talking about like classical music here, right? I'm not talking about music which is largely enjoyed by conservative audiences, but the fact that there is nowhere that would let me write about what I believe is a not even a counter-cultural point, but a very mainstream observation about a song. Which is that song's enjoyed massive success. Like that song doesn't need me championing it. Like I, as far as I know, I, as far as I can gather, he's done this interview with Joe Rogan. I don't think he's particularly. This is Oliver Anthony I'm talking about. I don't think he's particularly interested in uh, talking very much about his music. I believe he even used the phrase, "I'd quite like to let my music do the talking." I wish I could do a Virginia accent, but just imagine I said it in that accent. He doesn't need me to write about it. Like this is like I, I, I don't know. There's that phrasing, but it's like top of the Billboard charts, and he's literally come from nowhere. No one seems to be able to dig up these, dig up any evidence of this astroturfing that I talked about on an episode the other day. This idea that somehow he's this industry plant. God, we're all obsessed with industry plants. If you're into music right now, that seems to dominate the discourse. But I'll talk about that another day because it's obviously bullshit. But he doesn't need me championing this song. He doesn't need me championing it. He doesn't, he doesn't need anyone. He, he's done it. He's done it, right? So, but the idea that I couldn't air my opinion, which is an opinion which is different, I can't think of anywhere that would host that opinion. I mean, it's just it's just over, isn't it? It's just it's just over. If all the opinions are the same, about music, like <laughs> everyone, it's, it's sort of something Oliver Anthony said. But I'm just going to take it a step further. It's something he said on the Joe Rogan episode. Every, everything that you, everything a person does, every film that they watch, every piece of music that they listen to, every meal that they have, you will experience that in a different way because that's the beauty of people. No one thinks the same. No one has the same response to stimulus. And I, I've always thought that's fucking. I've always thought that was amazing about our species. That me and my wife, for example, I don't know why I'm picking on my wife, but if we're watching a movie together, sometimes at the end of the movie she will say, well, that was garbage, and sometimes I will say, oh, my God, I had like, an incredible emotion when I watched that movie because I am a melt like that. And then we will talk about our conflict in opinions, and that will be uh, a way that we bond or a way that we get to know each other better or a way that our opinions evolve. And sometimes, you know, you don't change the way that you feel about something, but sometimes I will consider my perspective because of an opinion that my, my wife has had i mean maybe she feels the same I, I don't know i don't know you'd have to ask her the cat kennedy music podcast that doesn't exist although i do think she's going to be on an episode an interview episode next week so if you're a fan of cat she was on the uh, on the local natives episode that i published recently then uh, she is coming back for round two so but listen the fact that everyone has a different take on something, but increasingly our media, our music media in this instance, but our media is so formulaic. There's only one way of thinking about something depending on what tribe you belong to. I mean, 
It just makes me want to fuck off. It just makes me want to get out. Because it's not why I got into it. And I don't think it's good for the art. I don't think it's good for what we're all here for in the first place. Which is to try and understand and enjoy the world better. That's, that's what media's for, isn't it? Or at least that's what I've always thought it was for. It's not all supposed to be polemic and propaganda. I mean, what happened to fun? Can you, can you, th- can you remember the last time you read anything? Can you remember the last time that you read anything in a music publication and you laughed? I mean, can you remember? I mean, that used to be a thing. When I used to read the anime when I was a kid, okay, it helped me understand what new music was out and helped me form opinions on things, but I also found it really fucking funny. When was the last time you read a music magazine? Again, they don't really exist, but when was the last time you read a music publication and you laughed? Or it made you feel better about your life? I mean, that's just not a thing anymore, right? Everything has to be woven with polemic. Listen, I better crack on because I want to edit this and get on a train to the seaside and smell some rotten seaweed, but I just wanted to get it off my chest. Listen to that Joe Rogan episode. Skip the first 20 minutes when he's on about classic cars. It's just nonsense. But after that, like I say, if you can overlook Rogan being a little bit sort of in his own head and the stuff that Oliver Anthony has to say, I think it's really interesting. So I'm feeling very much like the only person in the world uh, hasn't, uh, lost their mind uh, I know that's not true but right now that's how I feel um, I haven't said this for a while I'm not feeling great about everything right now I'm feeling quite disheartened if I'm being honest if you want us to leave a rating and a review uh, five stars if you don't want to leave five stars and just do something else um, then I'd really appreciate it I will see you when I get back from the seaside and I hope you enjoy the episode